We have come to give God glory and honor and praise, to sit in his presence, to listen for his will, to bless him in all we do, to follow him, to be vessels of the blessed Holy Spirit, to edify and lift up one another in the word, to make disciples of men, to save the lost, and to set the captives free. Because that's what Jesus did, and that's our commission. So today we're going to be continuing on our series. We started, it was called It Is Finished. It is called It Is Finished. I think maybe we're on like part seven. We're just going to follow as the Lord leads. And last week, did we do the veil last week? Yes. We did the veil. The veil was torn and what that meant. And today, today we're going to be discovering what Jesus did in Hades. Between the cross and the resurrection, between the cross and the resurrection, he went to Hades on our behalf. He suffered beyond anything that you could ever imagine. And the reason that we're studying this is because he didn't do it for nothing. He did it for you so that you could walk in the fullness and the completeness of Christ here on this earth and bring glory to your Father. That's our one goal is to bring glory to our Father. And once we understand everything that he went through, we can take a hold of how entirely serious he was to make you who you are today a new creation being. It is needful that you understand who you are in Christ. It is needful. You are needed. You are his hand here. You are his ambassador here. You are his example here. So after the cross, Jesus went to Hades. And that's where he fulfilled the substitutionary sacrifice. That's where he accomplished the substitution. Acts 2, 22 through 24. 
I'll be first reading in the NIV, and then I'll be reading in the Aramaic, plain English. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Nothing took him by surprise. He planned it ahead for you. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible. Impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Impossible for death to win. Hallelujah. And because of that, it is impossible for darkness to win in your life. That's why it's so important that we understand this and get a picture of what he did. The Aramaic plain English. Men, sons of Israel, Hear these words. Yeshua, the Nazarene, the man who appeared to you from God with mighty works and with signs and with miracles, which God did among you by his hand, as you know. This one who was separated to him for this in the foreknowledge and will of God You have betrayed into the hands of the wicked and you have crucified and murdered, but God raised him and destroyed the destructions of Sheol. Get that phrase. That is so incredibly powerful. He destroyed the destruction of Sheol. Every destruction destroyed by the plan of God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we are believers on the Lord, Jesus Christ, we walk in that same authority. But God raised him from raised him, and he destroyed the destructions of Sheol because it was not possible for him to be held captive in Sheol. Nothing in Sheol. Nothing, New Testament word, Hades. Nothing, no power, no darkness, no evil, no destruction could hold him.
because his love for you was that powerful. Because his love for you is that powerful. No power could hold Jesus. He destroyed the destructions of Sheol. Strong's Concordance gives us the definition of Sheol, a picture. The underworld, the pit. The designation for the abode of the dead, a place of no return, without praise of God, wicked are sent there for punishment. The righteous will never be abandoned to it. The place of exile, of extreme debility, Degradation in sin. Extreme degradation in sin. You can't even imagine it. We can't even imagine it. The Young's literal translation going on in Acts 2.27 says, Because thou wilt not leave my soul to Hades, nor wilt thou give thy kind one Jesus to see corruption. Acts 2, 27 and 28 in the Aramaic plain English. Because you did not leave my soul in Sheol. You did not leave it there. In other words, he had to go there. To be left somewhere, you have to go there first. You did not leave my soul in Sheol, and you did not give your pure one, Jesus Christ, the one without sin, to see destruction. You have shown me the way of life. You shall fill me, O sweetness, with your presence. Thank you, Lord. You see, that was his goal. That is his goal, and that is our present reality. Because of what he did, we can be filled with the presence of God. What a gift. What a gift. It's the purpose. That's God's purpose. That's his plan. That you be filled with his sweetness. That you be filled with his presence that you walk in his glory, that you walk in his strength, that you walk in his authority, that you walk in his completeness because of what he conquered on your behalf. Acts 2, 29 through 31, again in the Young Living, Young's literal translation. Men, brethren, it is permitted to speak with freedom unto you concerning the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is among us unto this day. A prophet, therefore, being and knowing that with an oath God did swear to him, 
out of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, to raise up the Christ to sit upon his throne. Hallelujah. Having foreseen prophetically, that's what that means, having foreseen prophetically, he did speak concerning the rising again of the Christ, that his soul was not left to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. That would have been in Joseph's tomb. The body did not see corruption. That's one place where, we're, where people who die on this earth are different than Jesus. People who die currently on this earth, they go to the grave and their body sees corruption, but to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord, your spirit. <clears throat> this Jesus did God raise up, of which we are all witnesses. Acts 2.31, in the Aramaic plain English, and he saw and spoke before about the resurrection of the Messiah. Prophecy, prophesied that he would not be left in Sheol, neither would his body see corruption. You see, there's wrong teaching out there that Jesus didn't go to Sheol, and that's why I'm giving you this foundation. He did. And he made a substitution, and he paid a penalty for you. So we're going to go through Psalm 88, and I'm going to read it in the Berean Study Bible because it, of the accuracy of some of the words. We're going to go through Psalm 88 because it shows us what Jesus suffered in Sheol. He took on the nature of sin. He took on the nature of death, though he had never sinned, had never done anything wrong. He did it for us. O oh Lord, the God of my salvation, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. And there, the, young, the Young's literal translation says, incline thine ear to my loud cry. Can you imagine going to Sheol, going, our common term, going to Hades, and crying out, and crying out, and crying out, oh God, why have you forsaken me? How loudly would you be crying out? For my soul is full of troubles. Young says, my soul hath been full of evils. Full of evils. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Full of evils. You see, he did not sin but became a sin. Every sin, every curse. Go read in Deuteronomy. Full of evils. More than you will ever suffer in your life. Thank you, Lord. 
and my life draws near to Sheol. Young says, my soul hath come to Sheol. I am counted among those descending to the pit. I am like a man without strength. Evil saps us of strength, doesn't it? Saps us of strength. I am forsaken among the dead. Remember when he cried out, why have you forsaken me? I never did anything wrong. I came to please you. I did what pleased you, Lord, Jesus. I am forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. Can you imagine thinking for one second that God did not remember you? Wow. See, you won't ever have to deal with that as a believer in Christ. You'll never have to deal with that. You are the beloved held in the palm of his hand. Whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Cut off from his father's care. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in the darkest of the depths. Your wrath weighs heavily upon me. All your waves have submerged me. Drowning in evil. Can you even imagine? Drowning in evil. Submerged by sin. You have removed my friends from me. You have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. Confined by the sin. Confined in Hades. And cannot escape. My eyes grow dim with grief. I call to you daily, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do departed spirits rise up to praise you? Can your loving devotion be proclaimed in the grave. Your faithfulness in Abaddon. Abaddon, okay, that's, in Hebrew it's Abaddon. In Greek it's Apollyon. It's a bottomless pit. As a place, it's a bottomless pit. As a person, it's a destroyer. An angel of the bottomless pit, or the abyss. As a verb, it's to be lost to be destroyed, to perish. Verse 12, Psalm 88. Will your wonders be known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of oblivion? But to you, O Lord, I cry for help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me? Can you feel that? Can you feel that? Why, oh Lord, do you reject me? The perfect, sinless lamb. 
Why do you hide your face from me? Young's living, this makes it even more painful. This makes the, re- the picture of what he went through even more painful in the, in the Young's literal. Why, O Jehovah, casteth thou off my soul? In other words, why are you casting me away from you? Aren't you glad you do not have to suffer this? From my youth I was afflicted and near death. I have borne your terrors. I am in despair. I am in despair, oh Father. Do something. Help me. The King James there says, While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Every sin laid upon him. He says, I am distracted. Think about that. Think about when a person walks into sin, how they get distracted. And that, what we experience here in this earth is just a small, small scale. Can you imagine the distraction that he had to suffer through and yet he set his face like flint? He had made that decision when he came, but remember when we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane? That was a pivotal point. He could have walked away, and yet he said, Not my will, but thine be done, O Lord. And he never turned back. No matter what he went through, Can we do the same? Can we do the same? The persecution that you have suffered up to your point, up to this point in your life, or the persecution that you may suffer as we come to the rapture will be nothing compared to what he went through and conquered for you. And we keep our eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, and be not moved. Verse 16, your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they engulf me like water. They enclose me on every side. You have removed my beloved and my friend. Darkness is my closest companion. Think about the Son of God in heaven with his Father, united as one, and now darkness is his only companion because he chose to do it for us. Psalm 88, this is the sacrifice that Jesus gave. The torture, the pain, the agony that he went to to become your substitution so that you would not have to suffer the full penalty of sin because he offered you mercy and grace and forgiveness. Hallelujah. He went through all of this to give us 
new creation life, the ascended life, the resurrected life through him. What a glorious day. What a glorious day when all believers would come to the realization of who they are in Christ and walk that way. Because it's already been accomplished, it's already been given for the New Testament believer. All the power of the risen Christ has been given to us. All the power of the risen Christ has been given to us. The believer who walks in the authority of Christ is an undeniable force. An undeniable force. Just one believer. You can be that one. You're called to be that one. If Jesus defeated every darkness in Sheol, if Jesus defeated every evil, every torment, every destruction in Hades, is it too hard for him to destroy? Well, it's already been done, right? But is it too hard for you to realize that whatever you're facing, he has already given you the victory? You understand what I'm saying? According to his word. You see that? Can we understand that? Hallelujah. By the word, by the living word, by the living word. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Remember last week when we studied Colossians 2:11? It said the whole self the whole self ruled by the flesh was put off. The whole self, all of it, every bit of it. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If any man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. But in him, we can do what he did. The word says by the Holy Spirit that we will do greater works than Jesus. And what is the key? The key is to remain in the presence of God. The key is to remain in his love. That's the key. We are the branches. We are the branches of the same vine. You see? Do you see the similarity? Do you see the sameness? Do you see the continuation? Branches of that vine, offshoots of Jesus. That's your identity. That's your identity. The same. So similar. So similar by the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. So we have to take hold, saints. We are taking hold. We, I'm going to talk, quit talking about this as a future event. We will no longer accept this as a future event. It is who we are. It's what's been done. What did Jesus unveil 
What did he unveil to us? You think about it. Think about it in your own hearts. I have a huge list of the things that he unveiled for us on our behalf. I can give you some, and I'm sure you'll come up with many more. But when we take hold of what Christ went through in order to appreciate how much he desires and how much we have been designed to walk in his fullness, we will be walking in the new creation reality. So what did he unveil? What did, in other words, what did he make clear to us? His grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness, his power, his authority, his healing. He unveiled to us an open heaven. You walk under, in an open heaven. He unveiled to us an open heaven. He unveiled to us rivers of life. He unveiled to us rivers of the Holy Spirit. He unveiled to us the fullness of Christ, our completeness in Christ. He unveiled to us that we are co-heirs with Christ, seated at the right hand with him in heavenly realms, heirs to every spiritual blessing in Christ. He unveiled to us an indwelt Holy Spirit, the new holy of holies, the new holy of holies, created anew like him, created anew like him to do greater works by the power of the Holy Spirit, whom he sent, the Holy Spirit who always testifies of Jesus. He unveiled to us that we are the beloved, that we are his beloved. He unveiled to us a new covenant of love, a new covenant of love, loved by our Father the same way, the same way as much as Jesus is loved. You, you are the beloved of the Father, loved as much as, in the same way, as he loves Jesus. So we're going to go to John 17, 22. We're going to go to it first in the NIV. <clears throat> 22. I have given them, this is Jesus speaking. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That God gave him, Right? that they <coughs> may be one as we are one. One in Christ, with God, one, united. That they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity, complete, look at that word, complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You see, there's no difference there. Hallelujah. 
Father, I want those you have given me. He's, he's praying about believers. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, that's those that are yet to believe, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, believers, and will continue to make you known in order that, so that the love you have for me may be in them. The same love, same as Jesus. And that I myself, Jesus, may be in them. He didn't say just a part of me. He said that I may be in them. Fullness, completeness. We read that earlier. Complete, I have, may they be brought to complete unity, our unity with him, through Jesus, so that the world can know. This is so important, saints. It is so important that you understand who you are in Christ, your unity with Jesus, and because of your unity with Jesus, with Jesus your unity with the Father, so that the world will know. It is the way he designed it to be. He desires you to walk in the completeness of Christ, and he's made it totally available. He's completed the work. This unity that Jesus referred to is God, Jesus, us. One. In the Young's Literal, it says, and, and I'm going to do verse 22 and 23, and I, the glory that thou hast given to me, have given to them that they may be one as we are one. One with Jesus, one with God. This is vertical, this is not horizontal. And I'm going to explain that to you in a minute, how I know that. This verse is always read as a horizontal relationship, that they may be one. Believers. It's that they may be one, because that's the only way that unity anywhere else will come. The presence of God in us. Jesus in us. The glory of God given to us through Jesus. Because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did. Because of the will of the Father. And I'm going to prove it to you in a minute. I in them and thou in me that they may be perfected into one. 
Strong's, this word perfected, is to consummate, to reach the end stage, to work through the entire process, to reach the final phase. In other words, to reach completeness in Christ, through Christ in us. The root means reaching the aim, the end aim, reaching the end aim. It is well, and here's the example. Here's the example given in Strong's, okay? It says, a good illustration of this is the old pirate's telescope unfolding, like extending out, one stage at a time, to function at full strength, full capacity, full effectiveness. That is what you are intended to be. That's the gift that's been given to every believer in Christ. After the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, that we walk in full strength, full capacity, full effectiveness of Christ here on earth. Nothing missing, nothing broken. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is not a death psalm, that is a new creation psalm. It describes the new creation life. Full strength, full capacity, full effectiveness. Continuing on in the Young's literal. That they may be perfected into one and that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them as thou didst love me. The same. The very same. See, because all this works by the love of God. We enter the presence of God by his love, his love for us, understanding his love for us, and our love for him, our desire to please him and do his will above all else. Thou didst send me and didst love them as thou didst love me. Father, those whom thou hast given to me, I will. In other words, I desire. I desire that where I am, they also may be with me, that they may behold my glory that thou didst give to me because thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. Now, I'm going to explain this to you, this verse that says that where I am, they also may be with me. Anyone who was here on Tuesday night, you got a little bit of this, But for the rest of you who weren't, I want you to understand this. Because when I was reading that very word, where, this week, it says that where I am, they also may be. What do we normally think about when we read that? Don't anyone that was here on Tuesday night say a word? Well, you can say something about this, but you can't say something about the other. Well, what do, we, what do we think about? What do we think about when it says that they may be where I am? 
heaven. Until this week, I thought the very same thing. That's what I'd always been taught. Silly me. I should have asked God a long time ago what that really meant. Yes, are we going to be with heaven in him? With him? Yes, we're going to be in heaven with him as believers. Of course we will. So I'm not taking that away. But when I read that this week, the Lord said to me, Lisa Marie, that is not a place. It is a state of being. It is my presence. And I thought, Lord, there's no way I can go on Sunday and teach that because nobody ever teaches it that way and I've never heard that before. But I said, if you want me to say that, then you show me where the truth of that is. So, I went to study and guess what I found? And I am not kidding. It exactly happened this way. He said that to me. That is not a place. It is a state of being. Before I looked anything up. Okay? So I went to the concordances and the lexicon and all that stuff, right? The Greek word, that word where right there, do you know what it says it means? And in this specific verse even, in this specific verse, it says that that word where means to mentally, to be mentally supplied in what precedes and what follows it. Well, look at that verse. What precedes it, the word where, and what follows the word where? What precedes it is the love and glory of God. What follows it is the love and glory of God. So Jesus wants us to be so united with him because the Father is in him and he is in us. So we are united with the Father. He wants us to be so united that we are complete in him, in his love and his glory. That's who we are, saints. That's who we are. Full, complete, in him, in his love and glory. He already gave it to us by what he did. And it's only a matter of us staying in his presence that we experience and share it. Wow. It is a state of being. It is his presence. We are the new holy of holies. We walk in the fullness of Christ, the full capacity, the full strength, the full effectiveness when we stay in his presence. When we allow his love to minister through us, we are Christ bearers. We are Christ bearers. Made in the image and likeness of God. We bear his likeness, we bear his name, we bear his authority, we bear his power, we bear his image. Verse 25. Righteous Father, 
Also the world did not know thee, and I knew thee. And these have known that thou didst send me, and I made known to them thy name, and will make known that the love with which thou lovest me in them may be, and I in them. Hallelujah. So you see what followed the where and what preceded the where was, first it says, that they may behold my glory, that thou didst give me, that thou didst love me, and then down here, that's what he's saying again. He's saying that the love which thou didst love me, in them may be, and I in them. His love and his glory. He is saying that he is doing what he is doing so that we can be united with the Father in the same way in which Jesus is united with the Father. I'm preaching strong to you, saints. Because he gave you a strong gospel. He did not give you a weak, defeated gospel. That we have the same, that we share in the same fullness of Christ, the same nature, the same unity that he has with the Father. That we are united as one this way, functioning together in the same capacity the same love and glory of God to accomplish God's ultimate plan and to his glory. Not your glory, not you, to his glory. That's why Jesus went to Hades. That's why he defeated every evil, every darkness, every sin, every torment, every anguish, every curse, all evil, every enemy. So yesterday, when I was studying some more, the Lord said this to me, and, I'm, and I wrote it down, and I'm going to read it to you. Because after I wrote it down, he said, well, that's kind of important. I said, okay. So this is why what happened when he went to Hades. Because Jesus conquered Hades in all of its manifestations, every manifestation of evil was conquered, and we in Christ by the Holy Spirit are made full of capacity, authority, and power, and are effective to manifest to demonstrate the opposite of every evil that Jesus conquered. Do you get that? You have been made complete, effective to manifest the opposite of every evil. because Jesus already conquered it. And that puts that new fruit in you to manifest the opposite of every evil that he conquered, and that doesn't leave anything out. The very goodness and the very glory of God. That's the opposite of every evil. 
Did you all get that? So in Hades, we're going to go back to Hades. What did he do? Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in him or by the cross. And there's a marginal note there, and I want to read this to you because it's, it's actually a little more clarifying. Having put off from himself the principalities and the powers, it would seem as though the whole host of Hades were upon him. He was going through agonies beyond words and suddenly is justified, made alive, and he hurls back the hosts of darkness. Wow. Wow. For you. There is nothing impossible with him in your life. <laughs> there is nothing impossible with him in your life. He went into the strong man's house and he bound the devil for you. Thank you, Jesus. All the hosts of darkness, all the hosts of Hades. And after he was justified, God made him alive. And he lives in the believer. Alive in Christ. That's who we are. Alive in the fullness of Christ. Alive in the strength of Christ. Alive in the power of Christ. Alive in the authority of Christ. Alive in the love of Christ. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is John. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. Strong's clarifies that, and it says, I am the one that experienced God's gift of life and love. Hallelujah. That's you. You are the one destined to experience the life and love of God. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades, never to be snatched away. Aren't you glad you have a risen Savior? Jesus conquered Satan for us so that we could be one with him and one with the Father. So that we could stand before the throne of grace boldly with confidence. So our hearts do not have to condemn us. It is as though you and I conquered Satan. It is as though you and I stripped him of every authority in our lives. The substitution. When we stand in the name of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus, the design of heaven prevails here on earth.
the design of heaven. The design of heaven. God's presence invades our territory. Do you remember earlier when we read Acts 2, 27 and 28? I'm going to reread it in the Aramaic. Because you did not leave my soul in Sheol, and you did not give your pure one to see destruction, you have shown me the way of life. You fill me, oh sweetness, with your presence. Unity. The presence of God our Father. And the key to the manifestation is to stay in his presence. That's the key. That's the key right there. The purpose and plan of God is that we are filled with his presence. And the key to that is to be willing to do his will. To do what Jesus said, I came to please the Father. I please the Father. In the garden, he said, not my will, but yours. That's the pivotal point. That's the pivotal point. He invades our territory when we do that, and every plan of the devil is defeated. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. NIV. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go, go in my power, go in my completeness, go in my authority, go in my effectiveness, go in my capability, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Saints, he's with you. He's for you. He's not against you. He has designed all this to be in you. That you walk in the fullness of his presence. Authority. Strong's Concordance. Exousia refers to the authority God gives to his saints, authorizing them to act to the extent that they are guided by his revealed word. What is the revealed word? The revealed word is Jesus. That's the revealed word. The revealed word is Jesus. Our companion guide today is the Holy Spirit, whom he sent to be our help who always testifies of Jesus always so we have the same authority get this we have the same authority that Jesus manifested in Hades he is the word his word, Jesus, gives us the same authority that he had and has. The same results, the same victory, the same overcoming. Hallelujah. He has won for us mastery 
over every satanic force. Every destruction of Sheol destroyed on your behalf. So that's what the Lord had me share this week. <laughs> We're going to take communion.